thank you, Lord, that your word is right, it's proper, it's true, it's full of faith, it's full of confidence. Your word is life, and we thank you for the life-giving power of your word that's going forth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to talk today about the fact that God is our praise. Amen. God is our praise. You are our praise. It's a good thing to understand God, how to communicate with him. Um, I believe praise is placed in us as the proper response to God. It's a gift that we're given as a proper response to God. The Bible says praise is comely for the upright. In other words, it looks good on people who are upright or people who are righteous, but it kind of doesn't fit on the unrighteous. You ever been around somebody who's kind of like trying to imitate Christians who really have relationship with God and they'll say things like, oh, uh, hallelujah, praise God, that kind of stuff. And it just has a bad ring to it. It has a hollow ring to it. I don't know if you've been around people like that, but there are people who try to imitate Christians. You know, um, if you watch any of this nonsense that they have on television where they have uh, people who are, are quote unquote church people or uh, shows that reflect have church people in them it always sounds uh, disingenuous it's always there's something phony there's something not good about it uh, there's a turn off there and so uh, <clears throat> the Bible says rightly that praise looks good on the upright it, people who do it with a sincere heart who are uh, praising God appropriately because he has placed that praise on the inside of us. You know, you can't take credit for anything in God's kingdom. Amen. He has even put within us the praise that we give forth. It's the fruit of our lips. And it is something that God has put inside of us as the proper response to him. So that we have access to God through our praise. So not only is it comely for us, it's placed in us as a proper response to God, but then God becomes our praise. So when we say God is our praise, what do we mean by that? Number one, when God is your praise, it means that you put your trust in him. It means that you put him, when when you exalt him, when God is the one you exalt, that means that you put him first and foremost in all things. And so if you're putting him first and foremost, that which you uh, honor first is that which you put your trust in. And when you honor God first, that means you put your trust in him. And so that means also that we have a confidence in God. In Jeremiah 17 verse 14, it says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. In other words, I am looking to you for everything. Uh, I don't go to somebody else. The fact that you are my praise means that I put you up in the highest place and I look to you for everything. If you heal me, I'll be healed. 
if you save me, I'll be saved because you're the one I have 100% investment in. So you're invested 100% in God and you look to him for everything. Under the old covenant, this was, this was a pretty big deal. You know, you found a God that responded when you called and you said, ah, I found the one. So now I put everything over in him. The pagan was the one who had to look for a different God for everything that he needed. There was one for this need, one for that need. One, you get up in the morning, there's a God there. You go to bed at night, there's a different God. But the Jew had found the one true and living God and he was able to put all of his confidence in one God for everything that he needed. So this was very important that you had one God that you could put total confidence in for all things you didn't go looking for another you weren't trying to find uh, a different God for this and for that and so when you contacted the one true and living God you found that you could put all your trust in him to trust means to rely on the integrity or the strength or the ability of a person or thing so you're we're relying on God's integrity that is he won't lie he cannot lie he's been tried and tested he knows what he's doing he's he owns all things there's nothing that can overcome him no one that can overcome him so you're relying on his integrity his strength and his abilities to trust also means to have a confident expectation not wavering, not scared, not shaking, not wondering. Maybe this, maybe that, maybe I didn't do this enough or I should do that more. And You know, should I ask or shouldn't I ask? But there's a confident expectation when you trust someone. Little children, when they ask their parents for things, you know, that parenting is a place of high honor. You know, the devil does everything he does to dishonor everything, doesn't he? He lets babies have babies, and so they don't understand. You know, the the the, the parenting becomes a burden. Uh, it becomes something they're they're hardly prepared for. Even mature people are hardly prepared for parenting. You know, you have to rely a lot on God. And, you know, the doctor, whoever's a phone call away, the mother, the mother-in-law, somebody who has some experience, you need all, all the help that you can get in that realm, even when you're a confident person. Think about what it is for somebody who's in their early teens to now be a parent and have that type of responsibility. And the enemy tries everything he can to dishonor something that God has called to place honor in. It's an honor to be a parent because the child looks up to you for everything you know as as you do to God and so it's uh, it's a part of God's honor that he shares with man uh, to be in that role and so many people have no clue what it's about dishonor it and you know go off and leave their children or try to shirk their responsibility and, and children get shuffled back and forth you know it's it's a way that the enemy has to bring dishonor to something that is within itself very honorable 
You see, it's very honorable uh, for someone to look up to you and to have confidence, hope, and trust in you. And so that's one of the ways that we honor God, who is our praise, by trusting him and trusting confidently in him. There is nothing that we can't trust God in. Not one thing. That he covers all things. One of the things that we get tested in is, is do we keep our confidence and trust in him? Or do we withdraw it and put it someplace else? And see, that's a very common mistake that people make. They'll withdraw their trust from God and put it in something else. It seems that it's more trustworthy because it's seen. We have to understand that our God works in the unseen realm for his reasons. He can work in the seen realm if he wants to, but he works in the unseen realm. And I think it's because God values uh, our 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 inner workings more than the outer result. Right. Now the outer result we can get in so many different ways, but God values the inner workings of our spirit much more than he does the outer result of spiritual things. When there's a spiritual transaction that goes on, there is always an outer expression or a confirmation or a sign that follows it. What's the most important to God, though? It's always the inner working, and we have to remember that. You have to keep that in mind, because if we're only looking at the outer result, we'll miss the whole point of why that's going on and so God is looking at inner workings because we are called to conform to the image of Christ whatever Jesus would have done in that situation we must do and we do it by an inner strength in our spirit and not from an external you know when he was when when he was being arrested in the garden and Peter wanted to do an outward deliverance for him and he said, don't you know if I wanted an outward show of strength, I could call ten legions of angels down here to help me. The outer is not as important to me now as the inner that I'm going through to deliver you and all humanity from the power of darkness. And so there's inner workings in us that must be worked so that the outer then can manifest in a way where God is happy and we're happy. Mostly when we ask for things in prayer, we want to be happy. We don't care if God's happy or not. Well, I'm here to tell you God's happiness is very much important. And very his satisfaction with us and our inner development must be considered in all things. The Bible says he's given us these great and precious promises that we might be partakers of all the goodies on earth. No, it's the partakers of the divine nature. So there's a carrot dangled in front of us that we want. And he's got to show us something. He's got to give us some payoff for us or we're not interested. And, I, you know, and he doesn't blame us for not being interested. It can't be all inner development with no no outer fruit to show it. No, no uh, comfort in this life. We got to be comfortable in this life. But that does not mean excessively comfortable, nor does it mean comfort comes first. 
in a material sense. It means that God has given us promises so that he can develop our faith. He can develop us in the fruit of the spirit. He can make us look just like his son which is the ultimate promise for us. It's it's about how much you conform to the image of Christ in all things that's so important to God. So that that confidence in God will be tested. You know, we'll have to go the mile and then the extra mile in some things and not let go in order that God can be satisfied that we're conforming to the image of his son. That's what's most important because you see what happens when people don't conform inwardly. Eventually it'll show. It shows in some way. They're shortchanged here. They can't hold heat on here. They can't uh, quite trust God here. They, they trust for a minute and then let go and go try something else. And that doesn't work. They blame it on God and they quit. He doesn't want that for us. He wants us to continue trusting him in spite of what it looks like in the natural. So confidence in God means that we stay planted in obedience to the word no matter who moves. No matter what moves. No matter who tells us we shouldn't. No matter what we stay confident and stay planted in obedience to God no matter what happens. And so in trusting God. When he is your praise, you are not moved. Hmm? In Jeremiah 17, the same chapter, if you back up to verse, verse 7, it tells you the benefits of trusting God. It said, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. See, if you trust God and you know that, that no matter what transpires, he can he will certainly show up he will certainly work it out he will certainly do it it may not come come exactly like you you think it should when it you think it should but you know he's trustworthy your hope is in him whatever happens is going to work out for you because he's in charge and he says these are the benefits you'll be like a tree planted by the waters and you spread out your roots by the river you won't be a fly-by-night Christian. You won't be the kind of Christian that flourishes for a season and then withers in the hot sun because you don't know how to take the heat. Huh? Because there's heat to take when you serve God. There's always heat to take. And some people will wither in it and you see them start to conform, compromise. You know, uh, all my friends are Christians. Yeah, but they don't live for God. You know, they're nominal Christians, but they don't they don't believe like you do. They don't pray in tongues. And yet you like their company. And so when times of testing come, do you wither and go over where they live? Or do you stay strong in God and continue to draw your sustenance from God and flourish and prosper the way God wants you to? See, God has you as a witness even among believers to prosper and flourish so that they can see the way that they need to go and they can go that way you got me and so this is this is something we need to take note of you know and and be concerned about because so many people start out in God and and die along the way because they don't really trust him 
not trust you know if you trust somebody you don't care what anybody else is experiencing you don't care what anybody else says about them you're you're fixed you're adamant you're not moving you're not going anywhere and your heart is locked in you're not just there as a fixture you're there in spirit you're there in truth you're there with devotion and honor and all of those things they don't waver when when trouble comes and when things get difficult and so we have to understand the nature of trust what it really means uh, to trust God not just for what you think you want you know you'll quit serving God if you're just waiting on what what it is that you think you want out of this life you quit in a hurry you know you get bored or you'll just be coming and sitting and not doing anything you're not engaged you're not trying God wants people who are engaged because there's something going on in his kingdom all the time. There's something going on that he's interested in in bringing along and, and, and seeing come to pass. You know, uh, I know some of you, uh, maybe a couple of you only got a chance to go over to um, the uh, building where we pass out bread, you know, um, in Cleveland. There's something going on that God's interested in all the time. You know, his car washes over here feeding people over there where are you in all of this are you engaged in it or are you trying to figure out something else to do with your time you got me you, you got to understand this about God you got to understand it because trusting God means being engaged in what he's engaged in instead of worrying about how you're going to have time for this and time for that and time for that. that's so a waste of time and that's so not trusting him if you were the person on the other end of needing that bread and I've been there in my life most of you have too and you're 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 asking God you're looking for something you don't know when it's coming and then all of a sudden these people show up with your answer see that's what God's engaged in he's not engaged in your little world that you're so concerned about do you understand me he's got a kingdom here that has to be run you've got a place in it you need to find out where your place is in that kingdom and get there see and do those things because there's so much more to trusting God than we know so much more can you trust him long enough to get your mind off you and get your thoughts on somebody else who's maybe putting a prayer in somewhere and waiting for the answer. And do you want to be a part of that answer or you rather skip it this time? Huh? You skip it this time, you'll skip it forever. God will pass you over. He won't even try to use you. Because he wants trustworthy people. He wants people who are engaged at all times. So trust means putting aside your comfort what you think you deserve what you think you want what you think is important to you that's what trust really means putting that aside that's why a lot of times people you know marriage is on a, a low priority with many people now because they don't know how to trust each other they're so afraid what's going to happen if this happens your mind is so wound up with the what ifs it can't settle down long enough to put you on the back burner so that God can do something inside of you that's going to make your life prosperous forever. And you don't have to say amen. Stand up there and look confused if you want to. But you understand what I'm saying. You don't like it, but you understand it. huh? Because it cuts deep. 
See, God cuts deep. He's not interested in this superficial stuff. We got enough of that going on. We got people going around name dropping each other. If you don't can't drop a certain minister's name that you know personally, they don't want to have a conversation with you. They can't have a conversation because they don't know anybody except by dropping names. They don't know these people personally. They're just dropping them to see if they can blow your mind. You know what I tell them? No, I don't know him. I don't travel in their circles. No, I don't buy their books. No, God's given me the work that I, I'm called to do. And I'm very content, very satisfied. I know the name of every person in our ministry. They have my phone number. I have theirs. We can call each other. If they got a problem, they can get me. Whose number do you have that's looking to you to help you solve a problem? Get out my face. You know, we need to know how to pick the right company. People who are dug in and trust God. Not people who are trusting in man and man's reputation. You know, people get involved. You get involved with people and you don't know if they're serving God tomorrow or not. Then you're sorry you knew them. Try to build a reputation on somebody else's ministry. And then when they mess up, you're trying to take your name out of being connected with them. Should have trusted God all the time anyway. God puts you in the place with the right people. If you get involved with people and they mess up, it don't, it don't come near you because you know you trust God. You weren't trusting in your relationship with that individual. You're trusting God. So to trust God means to stay dug in, drawing sustenance from him so that in the day of difficulty you will still be standing. You got me? You will still be standing because you're dug in with God. You're not going down with a bunch of people who weren't even trusting God to begin with. So when God, when you trust him, the Bible says here in verse 7, in verse 8, you'll be as a tree planted by waters. You spread out your roots by the river and you'll not even see when heat comes. Yes. That's something. And your leaf will be green all the time. Yes. And it will not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall you cease from yielding fruit. Amen. So you're going to be prosperous, fruitful all the time. You're just going to be dug in with God. Whatever it is, God, I want to be a part of it. I don't want to be on the fringes. I don't want to be on the outskirts. I don't want to be involved just when times are real happy and good. I want to be there all the time so that I won't miss anything that you're doing. There will always be fruit, food in my cupboard. There's always going to be a working car in my household. There's always going to be money in my bank. Why? Because I'm dug in with you. I'm dug in with you. And I'm not depending on people for anything. So the Lord searches the hearts and he tries the reins. That's what he's interested in. Man, is he interested in that. Tries them all the time. You know, you think you, oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good in God and I've gotten over this and gotten over that. He's always searching, always trying. There'll be something to challenge us. Even though we've, we've met many challenges. There's always going to be more things to challenge us because God is constantly developing us so that we conform to the image of his son. In Psalm 57 and verse 7, I'm talking about trusting God. When he's your praise, you trust him. You just can't be jumping up and down and hollering after God and then not, not really come past his test. 
It says, oh, okay, I receive your praise. Now let me tell you what I want you to do. <laughs> he says, my heart is fixed, O oh God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Know what that means? No matter what happens on the earth, your heart is fixed. Your heart wasn't in what's being messed up on the earth anyway. Your heart wasn't in who got elected to the White House. Your heart wasn't in uh, who didn't make it somewhere. Your heart wasn't in all of these things. You're in, you know, who went bankrupt and, and what business is still seen. Your heart was never there anyway. Your heart's fixed. You will sing and give praise. He says, awake up, my glory, awake. I will make myself awake early and praise God. Sing, sing among him, sing about him unto the nations. So wherever you go, you praise God. I was, uh, I kind of got in the habit of, of um, doing something and, and uh, you know, in conditioning myself to not hinder legitimate praise that was coming up out of my spirit. And so I was on the phone talking to somebody and they told me something they were going to do for me, which was a blessing. It was a, a, a sign of God's favor. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, I'll do that for you. I said, oh, praise the Lord. I said, can I say praise the Lord on, you know, talking to, you know, whoever it was, American Express or something. Can I say talking to, praise the Lord on American Express's phone line? She said, oh, yes, you can say praise the Lord anytime. She, we just started chatting, you know, that kind of stuff. And so it, it's good to take that with you into the nations, into the outskirts, into these carnal situ into these worldly situations. It's good to take that with you and not leave it behind when it's legitimate expression of thanksgiving and praise to God. You got me? And so when we do that, we, we take it beyond where where it's comfortable for us. You take it, you're dug in. You you trust God. You trust him through persecution. You trust him through uh, people rolling their eyes at you. You trust him through all of these things. And your confidence is in the Lord. It's always in the Lord. So he says, I will praise you. Lifting up my, my voice because my heart's fixed. I'm not thinking about what people think that's looking at me. Could care less. Let them look and, and rejoice with me or look and go hide somewhere. But I'm, my heart is fixed. I'm locked into you, God. In, in Psalm 112, verse 7. <clears throat> If in verse 5 it starts and talks about the, the upright and, and the righteous person. And he says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears you and delights in your commandments. And he lists all the blessings here. You know, your seed will be mighty upon the earth. Wealth and riches will be in your house. To the upright arises light out of darkness. In other words, you can be sitting there with a problem and all of a sudden light will come on the inside of you and God will tell you what the answer is. Happens to me so many times. It's such a blessing. It says in verse 5, a good man shows favor. Man. In other words, he gives favor to others and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. That means he's not frivolous and giving, throwing everything around, but he, it's discreet. Surely he shall not be moved forever. So once you fix yourself in God, you won't be moved. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. 
You, your seed, your seed seed will go on forever. And it says this. He shall not be afraid of bad news. Not be afraid of evil tidings. Why? His heart's fixed. He trusts in God. Whatever the bad news. Biopsy. You shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Your heart's fixed. Trusting in God. I remember waiting with uh, uh, my late husband when he was having a surgery. And I was reading and I, my eyes fell upon this psalm. And it says we shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Whatever the bad news is, your heart's fixed on God. You trust him. You're going to have to trust him through good news, bad news, neutral news, no news. You just have to trust him, period. And so we, we weren't, I wasn't expecting bad news. Even though it came, it wasn't my expectation. And the, the only thing I had was, God, what do I do next? Because I'm trusting you. Your answer's coming from, uh, my answer's coming from you. You got me? It's not coming from some other source. I could care less what those doctors said. You know, unless it was something practical that I could do. But they don't know the future. When people get well, they're just as shocked as anybody else is. You know, they're not expecting. You understand what I'm saying? They do what they do, and and they'll tell you what it looks like is going to happen to you, but it's up to you to lock into your faith into one thing or the other. So when your heart's fixed, you trust God through everything. To trust God also means to hate evil. You can't like wrong and love God too. You've got to hate evil. All evil and making the decision to stay true to him. you got to hate it all. No matter what the cost is to us. You know if you, you, you can do something that's not quite right in order to pay a bill or something like that. you got to hate that thought. That I would, would step over that line to get myself out of a little difficulty and not trust God through it. You got to trust God through all things. You, you, can't, you can't just cut corners to get what you need. You got to trust him 100%. When, you, when, you, uh, when God is your praise, you honor him. Okay, Number one, you trust. Number two is honor. Trust is one thing, honor something different. Okay. Trust means to rely on him, to lean, depend, you know, in a, a sense of, and, and when you de- trust God, you don't remove that trust and, and put it into another one. You got me? You trust him 100%. I remember um, 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 the, a young man that we, we uh, knew early in our days in the ministry, his name was Brad, I think I've <coughs> shared some of his testimony before, but he was called to the ministry and raised in a, a Christian home, you know, I, I could say Christian, nominal Christian. His grandmother, I think, was pretty faithful, but the mother was a little, you know, a little flaky. But grandma took him to church all the time, and, and he uh, lived most of his adult life as a homosexual. And then when he got sick with AIDS, he came to the Lord, and he got faithful. He was very faithful, really loved God, and uh, had begun studying for the ministry but he just continued to get sicker and sicker and sicker and and so when we met him uh, God had given us some instruction for him and God began to heal him he had done some miracles uh, with him in uh, getting him healed but he wasn't able to hold on you got me 
to that trust makes a difference to follow God a hundred percent folks when you you know that condemnation of the devil when you know better walk away and then you try to get back in it's always this we well, look at what you did you know all that hammering constantly at you I'm not saying you can't get over it but you got to be steadfast you know and so it was a struggle for him but one thing he he was able to do was to help his mother to gain a new perspective on her relationship with God and, and uh, he had found out that uh, she was playing a lotto with a group of people at her job and so he was uh, telling his mother he said he said um uh, they were talking about and she was she was giving she was preparing her offering for church and he told her he said mom he said if you're going to trust God you must trust him all the way and she told me later she said you know when he told me that she said I just felt so bad about that lotto thing she said I went to to my job and I told all those people oh, you could take my name out of that I'm not doing it anymore you know when she quit everybody else quit too Sometimes a backslidden Christian is the one holding up the the unbelievers. You understand what I mean? It's powerful, folks. The influence that we have for good and for bad. Let's use it for good. Amen. And so she was able to get herself free from that. But that's one of the things we need to understand about trusting God 100%. She played numbers and lottery all her life probably and didn't really think anything about it until she came face to face with the truth of it as far as God is concerned so we can make these changes even if it's a lifelong habit of cutting corners and not really putting 100% trust in God we can make these changes <clears throat> also it means when when God is your praise you honor him you don't praise him and and then just not show him any kind of honor it, it gets hollow when you start doing that so to honor means to give someone a good name somebody has a good name before you at all times in other words you don't think about what God requires and get depressed about it Amen. you feel good about it all the time Amen. to honor one someone means to hold them in public esteem hello are you writing back there? Are you staring at me? <laughs> Don't go to sleep. You've got to get this down now. Let's let's get busy here. To a good name and to hold someone in public esteem. It means to give them superior standing. In other words, there are other people that you honor in life. Bible says give honor where honors due. But he gets superior standing. Nobody higher than him. Nobody ever. It says one whose worth brings respect or fame. Hmm? His worth brings respect or fame. Honor also means reverence. And homage with accompanying praise. So there's got to be, when you hold somebody in high esteem, there's got to be a reflection of that somewhere in your life. So there's an accompanying praise. So it's kind of like this. When you honor God and hold him in high esteem, praise is kind of automatic. It comes out of you in an automatic fashion. There's this, this uh, reverence that's connected with your heart and your mouth, your words. It's all strung up together. And so there's an accompany, accompanying praise when you honor and reverence God. 
in First Chronicles 16. And verse 27, I think it is. 16. Yeah, and 25 it says, For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. In other words, to be greatly praised means to be praised above all else. He is also to be feared above all gods. And certainly the children of Israel knew about other gods because the people surrounding them were always busy going up to their high places making sacrifices and so forth. And they would watch that and observe it and say you know what our God is greater than that because I see these people poor broke sacrificing forever and we can go out and on the day of atonement and come back make a feast and our fields are green our, our, our crops are lush everything goes well for us. And so he says glory and honor are in his presence strength and gladness are in his place so glory and honor are in the presence of God if you're if you're a person who's really sensitive to God you can't you can't do dishonorable things in God's presence you understand what I'm saying your conversation has to be edifying your your words have to reflect the goodness of God your your conversation must be upright it can't you know go downhill and go downhill and go downhill go downhill and stay downhill in the presence of God it's so important to respond appropriately to his his uh presence so that you will know and have relationship and understand what his presence means what what's he doing when he comes into our midst what's he want from us what what does he what does he really expect of us and when you honor God you will seek to recognize that presence and act appropriately in it you got me um I'll give you an example. We had gotten to the I I gotten to the place in my home where when my husband and I would sit down for dinner the presence of God would automatically hover over the dinner table. He did that because we would invite him in through just praying over our food. And then he would show up and anticipate what we were going to do and be there to help us to honor him and worship him now what do you think is going to happen if you do that sometimes and you don't do it on a regular routine basis or you sit there sometimes and and you have your family squabbles over the you understand what I'm saying when God's presence is there he is there for you to honor him so that he can help your life. He's not going to help you arguing at the dinner table. You got me? And you do him dishonor if he's shown you the honor by, by showing up for you to help you and to sanction what you're doing. You know, God's presence means so much. It means that he approves of what we do. It means that he is, is going to be gracious to us and help us in whatever it is that we desire. So you can't like trample on that by doing him dishonor and, and just 
talking any kind of talk around the presence of God or just doing anything or just being, you know, being disrespectful and dishonorable. I just think it's that way. It's either honor or it's dishonor. There's no in between. And we have to be careful when when God's presence is near to allow him to be able to to um, carry us to that next level. Whether it's fellowship or whether it's it's, you know, uh, breaking bread or whatever it is, there has to be something that he's carrying us into if we will honor him and respect him and just just go with his flow. You can do what you want to do all the time. But when the presence of God is near, we have to learn how to honor what he's doing and go with his flow. You know, I think what happens sometimes is people get this familiarity with God where they think it's cool to, you know, just talk a lot of nonsense and flip around. And that's not cool at all. Trust me, folks. There are churches that wish they could get the presence of God. They, they don't even know how they lost it. They don't know if they ever had it. They don't know anything about the presence of God and the anointing and the power of God. And you can't take it lightly. You can't. I was in a, a, um, a house meeting one time. And the Lord had uh, started to move, and women were just sitting there checking. Well, 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 you know, where'd you come from? What's your name? What's your husband do? I said, it's not time to talk about that. I said, don't you sense the presence of God here? Made a bunch of enemies forever. I don't care. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? I'm dug in. And when God's presence is near, you don't have to know what my name is, where I came from, what my husband does for a living. We need to find out what God wants to do. He's here now. So we honor him first. Well, you don't like it, but it's true anyway. You know, if if you learn these things, if you learn how to respect these things, then you'll find you have more power in God than you ever thought you had because you recognize and honor him wherever he is and he shows up. He shows up, he's in charge. When he shows up, you find out what he wants. When he shows up, you shut your mouth and you do what he tells you to do. Even if it's there, sit in his presence and let him hover over you. You do that until he tells you something else to do. You got me? That's the key to power, folks. That's the key to honor in your life. That's the key to what you need to have done in your life. You got me? I know some of y'all don't like it because you like to yak all the time when God's around. Cut it out and let him do what he wants to do. I tell you guys that all the time when you go over there in the bistro area. Keep your conversation edifying. Don't let it deteriorate to your movies and what you did and all that. God may want to come in and do something. You talk about your movies when you get home. I'm talking about honoring God and getting his honor. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you to soften hardened hearts, to loosen up souls that are adamant about resisting you. And Lord, I thank you that your presence is here to help us and move us to a greater level, to a level of respect, to a level of honor, to a level of humbling ourselves before you like we have never known before.
And I thank you for that, Father. I thank you that you're moving us from being children tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine to people who are dug in, to people whose roots are deep, so that we can be people who will stay, people who resist the enemy, and people who will not be swept away in what's coming to the earth. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So to honor him means to give him reverence and homage with accompanying praise. Glory and honor are in his presence. Not chittering and chattering all the time. When God is near, we sense the need to praise and honor him. You sense that need. And we need to go with that instead of going with resisting that need and doing what we think is important to do. Psalm 111 and verse 13. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 3. It says, His work is honorable and glorious. Everything God does is honorable and glorious and his righteousness endures forever he's made his wonderful works to be remembered the Lord is gracious and full of compassion he's given meat to them that fear him and will ever be mindful of his covenant ever be mindful he remembers what he promised us even when we don't remember it hmm you know, people said things like, well, you know, I, I quit praying for that so much. And then one day God reminded me. Got me? He's ever mindful of his covenant. He never forgets. We do. He doesn't. <laughs> Which is good. He keeps all the notes he needs to. So his works are honorable and glorious. Pastor Shirley uh, relates a story sometimes when she teaches on the Holy Spirit. She was saying that when she got baptized in the spirit and started to, to speak in tongues, she said, she, she said, God said, I'm going to show you something. And she said, I looked out the window and I noticed a bird singing. And she said, now, it's not that I didn't notice them before. She said, but this time I noticed that bird singing, she said, and I could tell the notes he sang. It, she said, it was interesting to me. It had a new depth of interest. And it's like your connection with the creator in his creation is what makes the difference. That's what differentiates the Christian who's attentive to God from the tree hugger. See, they'll worship the creature rather than the creator. We'll worship the creator and have a greater appreciation for what he created. Because we have a reflection of his love for that thing and his feeling for it. Instead of our silly carnal ideas about everything. Big difference. Big difference. Just in noticing creation. The Bible says the heavens talk about him. They declare the glory of God. Nobody can refute it. These people would say they're atheists. All right, you know, you're just giving a, a, what you think is a nice name to stupidity. Huh? You don't not believe there's a God. Nobody's that foolish. Huh? 
somebody was saying I saw some some joke or something somewhere and they were saying an atheist atheist was wondering why Christians had all the holidays and we want a holiday and whoever the person was so you got one is April 1st <laughs> so the fool is said in his heart there is no God that's your day Wow! Huh? they have a day they have a day they can trade it in and be a part of the people with the real holidays but you know if you want to stay out there stay out there Proverbs 3 9 honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits to give him the leftovers is dishonorable now I didn't know that when I was giving and you know nervous about whether I'd have enough if I gave to God then I began to realize I said you know there's no faith on leftovers you know if you're going to give by faith you've got to give the first you've got to give it consistently you've got to give it no matter what's going on in your life so he says honor him with your substance and the first fruits so the first fruits of your increase would be of course your paycheck your substance is everything else you have you got me <laughs> empty my closets out I have to do that all the time because I have a buying fever either that or my closet's too small no I won't go there build a bigger silo huh? <laughs> but it's better to sow it and give it away if you're going to buy it anyway you know keep sowing it and giving it away and so it's able to bless somebody instead of hoarding and not blessing so that's that's a good thing to do Proverbs 15 and verse 33 <clears throat> says the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility so you have to really humble yourself to see the worth in somebody else before honor is humility you have to humble yourself and really look at that individual for who they are and look at God for who he is once you humble yourself before God you begin to listen learn about him read your word with a different perspective just just with the intent and the heart to understand God and to humble yourself before him let him tell you what he wants you to know instead of you just going through to find some some information or find a new scripture or, you know a lot of times in with ministers we're going to the word to get a message when we need to get a message for us you understand what I'm saying and just let that word minister to you and, and internalize it and so these are things that we we need to understand that God expects us to humble ourselves before him and then the honor comes out of our understanding of him our wisdom grows knowledge of God grows all of those things so really when we honor him he honors us back because wisdom of God gives you 
answers to problems in life. You can solve problems for other people. When you give them counsel, it'll be sound. When you give them understanding, it's sound. When you give them the word of God, it's sound and it can be applied in their situation. And so those things you draw from the, the honor that you give him is, is what he's giving back to you. In Proverbs 22, In verse 4 it says by humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. So again you humble yourself to God. You let him do the talking. You let him take you to what he wants you to know. Your scripture of the day or whatever it is or the week or the month. You know what I'm talking about. But but when you go to God. Go to him just saying God I just want to know what you want me to know today. I'm not bringing you any problems. I'm not trying to look for anything to solve anything or I don't have any motive other than just to honor you and to humble myself to you to hear what you have to say to me. Some of the answers I've gotten from God have been the richest answers when I just have that attitude. You know, I've gotten healed uh, by a scripture that he just gives me like that. Whatever it is that he has for me, I want to hear that and have that time with him and humbling myself to him. So in the humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life he will preserve your life he will and, and he will in turn honor you with wisdom and goodness and exaltation in the earth in proverbs 8 verse 5 no psalms 8 verse 5 I think we have more opportunities to honor God than we know. We have more open doors to speak for God than we know. We just have to be in the mindset of being attentive to him using us to do these things. It says in in, uh, Psalms 8 verse 5 it says you have made him a little lower than the angels he talks about what is man that you are mindful of him verse 4 or the son of man that you visited him you made him a little lower than the angels and have crowned him with glory and honor you made us to have dominion over the works of your hands I mean how much more honorable can you get than that that's why the devil works so hard to make people feel small. You know, uh, people will say things like, well, so and so makes me feel, you, nobody can make you feel anything. That's the devil. If it's somebody uh, making you feel small, that's the devil doing that. You need to know how to fight him. Go get in your Bible and start reading to him that God has made you to have dominion over the works of his hands. That includes you too, devil. And have put all things under his feet. So God has created man. If we'll walk with God. You know and understand these things. To have dominion over all the things that he has created. Every single thing. Not with arrogance and greed. But in humbling ourselves to God. And getting instruction on how to manage these things. We didn't make them, so we need his help and his instruction on how to manage them wisely. First thing he'll help us with are the things that we already control in our lives, or that we already possess. He'll help you with with, uh, possessions, job, 
relationships, friendships, all of these things. He'll help you to manage those properly so that he can get honor and get glory out of those things. So he says he gives us honor in turn. He gives us wisdom, goodness, and he exalts us in the earth. If you have a good name in the earth, it's because God gave it to you. He gave it to you. And sometimes your name is more highly exalted than you know. It's you have a better reputation than you know. Sometimes God will bring it to light for you. But definitely you have a better reputation sometimes than you know. God has crowned us with glory and with honor. Crowned us with that. In other words, that's something you wear whether you know it or not. It's something you wear whether you feel it or not. It's something you wear whether you're aware of it or not. He has crowned you with glory and with honor. So we shouldn't be striving to get that from anybody. Or to get people, you know, people say, well, well, you know, nobody told me so and so. You tell yourself that. You know if you did a good job or not. Start telling yourself these things. Good gravy. You're crowned with glory and honor. You know, people use that as an excuse to quit. I'm going to quit because nobody told me I did a good job. Nobody told me they appreciated me. Well, look at me. (laughs) I don't get it too often either. You got me? We're all in the same boat. So let's let's learn how to be self-encouragers. You know when you do a good job. You know when you don't do a good job. You need to find that out from God. And let's quit blaming the weaker voice on our demise. Human voices should not have that much impact in your life. You got me? You need encouragement. God knows how to encourage you. Knows how to send it to you. As in a church, everything I did... I I heard negative about it. You know, people would ask me to do things. I'd spend my time, my money doing them. They never used them. And I went to God with it one time, and and he really didn't say anything. But I was sitting, sitting in the lobby, you know, as we were leaving the church one time. And this little girl came up to me. She's like four or five years old. And she kissed me on my cheek. And she said, hi, pretty lady. And I just, oh, God. But that taught me. That taught me. I didn't really need that. You understand what I'm saying? I could have gone on and done what God told me to do without being schmoozed on. But he allowed me to receive that anyway to let me know how easy it is for him to send me encouragement. But I need to learn how to live by faith because it gets rough out here. You're going to have some times where people don't encourage you. You're going to have some times where people greatly discourage you. And where the devil goes... uh, overboard finding people to tear down what you're trying to do and so you're gonna have to learn how to get something from within you to encourage yourself to keep going or you're not gonna make it if you're depending upon external voices to move you one way or the other you're going to be a poor candidate for life in this kingdom so we have it within ourselves to be self-encouragers and to silence the voices of the haters that always want to hinder what we're trying to do So God then gives us his position of honor in this earth. He shares that with us, folks. That's part of our inheritance. Psalm 149. We give him honor. He returns that back to us. 
Psalm 149. There's an honor that he gives to, to his people. And says to execute the written judgments. This honor hath all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. We are the final judges of the the uh, um, forces of darkness in this earth and it's an honor to be able to execute judgment on behalf of the Lord when you pray for uh, lost kids to be found you're executing judgment on the kidnappers you got me it's a written judgment it's already written those who oppress God will will judge them and so we have the ability in God to execute these things on his behalf all law uh, uh, trespassers and lawbreakers spiritual forces not not flesh and blood we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but you know what I'm talking about you have authority in the spirit to execute written judgments you just have it and so when we have that, that means that God releases that honor to us. And we share in his crown. Amen. We share in his crown of honor. And he releases that honor to us. It comes directly from God. And I think he delights in it when we use our authority to, to set captives free, to heal the sick, to deliver people he delights in that because that's when we're doing the gospel and that's the highest wisdom in the world is to win souls over for the kingdom of God and so all of these things that we do he delights in them I think when you when you cease to do them you don't get the benefits of it and so I, I can remember going through a, a period of time where I wasn't as enthusiastic about prayer and, and, you know, doing what God wanted me to do and that kind of stuff. And I said, God, I can remember when I just used to take authority and, you know, it was just kind of like second nature. And he showed me how, you know, through through your mind kind of like compromising in what you respond to and and how you respond to it sometimes that can take you into a place where you just don't you get passive about it and I just begin to repent and, and tell the Lord Lord I want to get back there again I don't want the devil running all over me and, and all that kind of stuff and so God is able to revive and refresh that in us when it starts to slip and it'll start to slip because you you just you know get weary or whatever reason you know the enemy can slip in there and cause you not to be as zealous for the things of God as you once were and so we have to stay on top of these things because God wants to honor us and wants us to do his work down here and that's definitely a part of of the work of what God has called us to do the other part of when God is your praise, he calls you his friend. Amen. That's a great honor in the earth to be a friend of God and know what that means. In James 2.23 it says, and the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. People called him the friend of God. So through our covenant with God we have Abraham's status as the friend of God. 
not his enemy but his friend we are forever God's friend no matter how we behave down here on earth we are his friend by covenant to be God's friend means that he has paid the ultimate price for us he's paid the price we didn't pay anything so this is a a, a um, status that you received by receiving what he's done you accept what he's done and you get your friendship on the basis of the price that Jesus paid for us to be friends but also we have a covenant with God when we're friends that obligates us into obedience to obey our end of that covenant so it's not just you know I'm God's pal and also means God's not angry with us anymore you know his wrath has been quelled by the blood it's been been uh, quenched by the the power of the blood of his son Jesus Christ and so God's not looking for us to do us harm he's looking for us to do us good seeking us out to do us good I think about the story about uh, David and Mephibosheth you know with so many people that don't want to come to Christ and don't want to come to church don't want to serve God don't want to do all of these things related to God because they're thinking God's looking for them to, to do them harm. That's why it's so easy for people to just expect you to pray for them. You know, they stay away from church, they stay away from God. They'll say, well, just pray for me and, and all of this kind of stuff. They don't want to come near him because they don't want to, they don't trust that, that that wall of animosity is broken. They feel it on their part, but he's not giving it out to them. See, they, they feel this estrangement because of the conviction that they know is wrong. They know they're living wrong, but they don't understand really that once they confess it'll be made right and that that distance will go away that wall will be broken and so the bible says god has broken down the middle wall of partition between us and that curse has been broken curse really is separation from god <clears throat> if you can't get to god you are under the curse it's broken because we're no longer separated from God. But you got to believe it's broken. It's a faith covenant. Everything we do is by faith. Proverbs 17.17 17 says a friend loves us at all times. God loves us all the time. Is he pleased with us all the time? No he's not. But he'll let you know what pleases him. Amen. And you can get in, in right standing with him and he loves you and you please him as well. Pleasing him means believing him and trusting him. Let him be your praise that pleases him. In Exodus 33:11 it says God God's speaking with Moses was as he was speaking with a friend. So important. Moses had a covenant with God of faith in God and obedience to God. And when the law was given, he was expect, expected to obey the law as well. It says in 33.11, and, and God spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his friend. And so Moses was one of, it says in the Bible, he, there was not a prophet raised up like him 
before or after who spoke with God face to face. Amen. So a friend is able to sit down with you and look you in the eye and talk straight and plain to you. That's what friends do. If you're not a friend, you know how some people you, you can't really talk to them. You know, they're too emotionally, too angry. You know, you start talking to them. They get upset or something like that. That's not a friend. That's not a person. That a friend. And it's hard to find people who are true friends like that. Who can, you can get their ear and they can hear what you have to say and you can hear what they have to say. It's all this. Sin makes it that like that. You know, it's, there's always this, yeah, uh, uh. Even if you're married to somebody, sometimes you can't talk of husbands and wives. I wish we I could talk about that with him, but every time I start talking, he just flies off. The, you know that kind of stuff. So it's hard to find a true friend that you can just speak. But God is that for us. There's nothing that you can ever say to God that he won't love you. There's nothing you can ever say to God that he'll cast you out or be upset with you or you can't tell him certain things. It's always going to be that way for him. He's always going to be your friend. Why? There's nothing separating you anymore. He paid for that partition to be broken between the two of us and you can talk to him as a friend. He says too, if we want friends, we must show ourselves friendly. And so when you, if you want friends, you start to deal with them as God deals with you. Being a person that can hear them at all times, it's easy to be entreated. You can talk to them. They can tell you anything, that, that kind of thing. Uh, but in a respectful, reverent manner. Now, you don't go to God and waste his time with a bunch of nonsense. But you, you understand what it means to be a friend who respects one another. And you can speak to one another. And it's very important for us. Because God is one, one that you can turn to at all times. So when he is your praise, you must remember that you are his friend and he is your friend. That that thing has been broken down. And it's very important for us as we walk through life to understand that we have a friend in God. You know, when you, you've been de- too dependent upon people and you realize that you're high and dry with nobody you can turn to, it's good to know you can turn to God. And sometimes God allows these relationships to fall apart so that we can finally get to see him and get to know him. So it's a good thing uh, to know that we are friends with God. Abraham was known as God's friend. In Isaiah 41, you see another example of that. It's our inheritance to be friends with God. To, for he would find us and renew that covenant with us. As David did with Mephibosheth. He was looking for him all over the place. And David was known when he uh, ascended to the throne as king. He had to destroy all of his enemies. And, and Mephibosheth was in the household of the enemies. But they didn't know about the covenant David had cut with his father. Um, what's his name? Saul. Saul's son. Jonathan. Yeah. And so when he had cut that covenant with Jonathan, God remembered and reminded David of his covenant. So um, Abraham in, in uh, Isaiah 41 verse 8 says, But thou Israel 
are my servant Jacob whom I have chosen the seed of Abraham my friend so this friendship is an inheritance that we have as sons and daughters of Abraham whatever relationship he had with God we have by faith in that covenant so we have his inheritance as God's friend and what does that mean can God depend on us he should be able to because if he's our friend we're his friend and so he should be able to depend on us to carry out his orders and his covenant down here on earth to me there's really no higher honor than to be the friend of God somebody down here that he can come to and trust that we're not too busy we're not too absorbed in other things we're not too carried away with what we think is important in life we're not trying to be somebody or use what God has given us to get us a leg up in this life but we're we're his friend he can trust us he can count on us come to us and talk to us and tell us what he's got going on here in the earth one of the first evidences he gave Abraham of his friendship was to share with him his plans for Sodom and Gomorrah and allow Abraham to intercede on behalf of the righteous that might be found in that city and so it says that that uh, uh, God said that he would not hide what he was doing from Abraham that's that's got such an impact folks that he won't hide things I mean and he dwells in thick darkness you know he doesn't he doesn't share everything with everybody he certainly doesn't share his plans with his enemies and so to be considered a friend of God means that he honors you and trusts you to share certain aspects of, of the future certain aspects of uh, what he's doing in the earth all of these all of his plans he shares with us because we are his friends and he considers us to be trustworthy people Second Chronicles 20 and verse 7 Art not thou our God who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham your friend forever gave it to the seed of Abraham your friend forever and so God has a friendship with us forever that's never going to be broken I don't care how much we abuse the trust you know and many people do we all have in some way we put God off and, and done our own thing or got involved in some of the things God wanted us to do when in too much of a carnal fashion but God's our friend forever and he's always looking to us to operate as his friends on this earth so God's our praise folks he is our praise he he is who we praise and who he is the one that will reward us as we praise and as we lift him up and as we honor him and and show him respect reverence friendship all of those things that's what it means when he's our praise and when you praise God it means so much more than just uttering the fruit of your lips it means it's establishing him in your life it's giving him the highest place of honor it's giving him trust and respect humbling yourself to all of those things are incorporated in the fact that you praise him amen why don't we stop father in heaven we thank you for giving us the understanding and giving us insight lord 
Heal us, O Lord, and we'll be healed. Save us. We are saved. You are our praise. You're the one that we trust, we honor, we lift up, and we bless you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you need prayer, come on up. Amen. God is good. Amen. Praise God. Praise 